For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Coming down in five, four, three, two. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We are back. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined by Matt Verderam. Uh, so we were we were away last week. Um, we weren't with you. You got some episodes from Matt and Sterling. We're, we're back in business here, but uh, I wanted to turn things over to Matt. Um, he's going to explain why we were out last week. And uh, yeah, I'll just turn it over to you, Matt. Yeah. So oh, look, a lot of people who follow me on Twitter already know this. Um, they, they listen to Slack and Box, you know, as well. Um, last week, uh, we, obviously, we normally record on a Thursday. Well, so last week, uh, Tuesday night, my wife started experiencing significant discomfort to the point that she had to be taking the emergency room. She was uh, almost 18 weeks pregnant with our son, Ben. Um, you know, long story short, she ended up needing an exploratory surgery to figure out what was wrong. It turned into a life-saving surgery. Um, in the process, uh, Ben was miscarried slash stillborn, um, however you want to look at it. Seven inches, uh, five ounces. And yeah, I mean, you know, that, that happened on Wednesday afternoon. So I was in the hospital with, with my wife. She recovered from the surgery and from obviously the, the, you know, the, the loss of our son um, up until Thursday night. So we couldn't record the podcast. Obviously, um, it was not really in a, in a place where I wanted to record it anyway. But I'm glad to be back recording it now. And I wrote about this in Sack in the Box on Monday. It was the only thing I wrote about. It's the first time in three and a half years in that column that I've ever written about anything other than football. And, you know, I just... Look, I've been trying to use this as something where, yeah, obviously, am I in pain over it? Of course. Um, the acute pain has kind of subsided where I, you know, I, I have, um, you know, before if I thought about them, I just start crying. Now I, I don't cry. I, I'm happy to think about them. I'm happy to look at the pictures we have. We held them. Um, I, I, obviously, he had, he had passed. He wasn't able to breathe outside the womb. So he passed the second the surgery happened. But, um, you know, look, if you're going through something similar and I'm, I'm, Emboldened to do this because so many people have reached out to us. Patrick, you being one of the many, um, it's so many, whether it's been with flowers or a text or a call or a DM or a tweet um, or a card. Look, there are so many people who suffer in silence through this kind of thing. You know, they, they have a miscarriage and they don't want to talk about it. And if that's the way you want to be with it, that is totally okay. That is the way you need to handle it. That's fine. But I would encourage everyone out there who's dealing with something like that or the loss of a parent or the loss of a, of a, of a sibling or whatever the case may be, a really close friend, to, to talk about it, even if it's just with someone you know, privately. I'm not saying you have to go, you know, I mean, obviously with me, I'm somewhat public. So, and people in this podcast knew where, you know, I was having a son. And that's why I'm talking about it right now. But you, at least in my opinion, you deal with grief by actually dealing with it and not finding the bottom of a bottle or, or by just bottling it all up emotionally. Um, you, you get through it by dealing with it. And I know for me, you know, that's been a huge part of this, um, in, in talking about it and, and, and kind of facing the reality of it. You know, my son's gone. He's never coming back. He'll always be my firstborn son. I had a million things I wanted to do with him throughout the course of his life. And those things were torn away on Wednesday. That is reality. No matter how much I wish it wasn't, it is. But I implore anybody who's dealing with a loss, keep walking. Like keep, you can weep while you walk, but walk. Just keep walking. Because to honor that person that's gone, 
you're not honoring that person by being miserable, by, by going into a shell, by falling apart. Because then that person in my eyes is someone who's, you know, I believe in God. I, I think, you know, that person looks down on you. And, you know, in my case, I don't think my son would want to look down on me and think, geez, I made my dad miserable. No, 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 no. I, I'm going to honor him by walking with him every day, keeping his memory alive and keeping his spirit alive in my heart. But you just, you keep going. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to talk about cheese. We're going to have a fun podcast. We're going to get ready for the draft just next week. And, um, but yeah, uh, look, I felt that I owed everybody that because you know, I mean, I've got a lot of well wishes and I, I know people were, you know, of the understanding that we were having the second child, which we did, unfortunately, a little too soon, but, uh, it is what it is. And uh, I appreciate everybody's thoughts and, and we'll move on. We'll talk football and we'll get rolling. Thanks for that, man. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously love you. We all love you, all the listeners. Everybody enjoys listening to you talk football. You and I have known each other for a long time and have been friends. And so, um, you know, our hearts go out to you and Steph and, and Maisie and, and the whole family. And um, uh, yeah, it, it, you wrote a really beautiful essay in Stagging the Box. And, and that was uh, also very lovely, uh, what you just said. And I know I'm, I'm, I this... You know, my wife and I, we don't have any children. Um, we have family members that this kind of thing happens to a lot of people. And as you said, a lot of people suffer in silence and it's happened to family members of ours. And, um, you know, your your essay in Stacking the Box and the sentiment of it, I, I just thought it was really, um, it was very generous. It was, very, it was a very generous essay uh, f- from you. Um, to the people that read your column and, and to anyone that might come across it. And, and so was um, the words that you just said. So, um, you know, thank you for that. I know it, it gave me, we all, we all suffer losses or pain and hardship in life. And, and so it, 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 I just thought it was a wonderful. And the example that, that you set during a difficult time and the generosity of that to think about other people and to, to try to console other people while you were going through something so painful, I thought was, uh, was was fantastic it speaks to who you are as a, as a person and the way that you go through life and the way that you approach everything which is something that i admire so thank you for that oh thanks i i appreciate it and i appreciate it again everybody's well wishes i cannot express the amount of people i'm not exaggerating we're probably close to 500 people who have reached out either in an email or a dm or a phone call or a card or a text or just a you know a comment on twitter i mean just it has been People inside the league, people around the league, people that I, I work with, people that I, I haven't spoken to in years. It has been unbelievable. And that's the other thing I've learned through this is to be a better friend maybe than I've been. Not that I, I think I've been a bad friend, but like Stephanie's friends, my wife's friends, I mean, you know, they, they live all in the area. We have not had to buy or cook a meal since we've come back. We're not going to have to for at least another week. Our daycare where Maisie goes, I mean, they, they got Stephanie like this all-inclusive spa thing and, and, and you know, gift card. I mean, it's been – and look, like, obviously, none of that removes the fact you lost a child, but it's so nice to know that you're cared about. Um, it's just overwhelming. And that's another part of this. If you know somebody who's going through something awful, I know it's sometimes awkward. Like, reach out and just say, hey, like, I, you know, I care about you. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. That meant so much to us and still means so much to us. Like, I, I think that's so important. You don't feel like you're on an island. And believe me, when you're sitting in that hospital room, they wheel in your deceased son and your wife is just in so much pain, physically and mentally, and you're in pain. Trying, I mean, knowing you're not alone in that is a huge deal because nothing feels more alone than that moment. Yeah. Well, thank you again uh, for for everything you shared. And uh, as you said, we're gonna we're gonna take your advice here. We're gonna keep walking. We're gonna we're gonna talk Kansas City Chiefs football. That's that's what we're here to do. And uh, we appreciate all of you listeners and and the support that I and I know some of you have reached out to Matt as well. So um, you guys are awesome. You're the best. We're gonna hit the music now, and on the other side, we're gonna talk Chiefs. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. All right. Now in the official podcast, uh, I wanted to kick things off today. There was some news. We, we Again, we were out, but 
Um, somebody who I, I know both you and I really admire, Matt, and, and a lot of Chiefs Kingdom admires, um, you know, speaking of hardships, is Alex Smith. And Alex Smith made the decision to retire last uh, last week and walk away from the game. Um, I got a quote here, and then we can talk a little bit about Alex's time with the Chiefs and, and his legacy. Uh, Alex said, <clears throat> even though I've got plenty of snaps left in me, after 16 years of giving this game everything I've got, I can't wait to see what else is possible. But first, I'll take a little time to enjoy a few of those walks with my wife and my kids. Have no idea what my wife and my kids have no idea what's coming in the backyard. And and I I want to put this stat up here because I just think this is absolutely fantastic. I got this from an article on ESPN. Alex Smith, after he left the Chiefs, he went to he went to Washington. And he started 16 games. It's a season. Washington went 11 and five in those games. The team's record with anyone else starting in the past three years is six and 27. Not good. <laughs> it isn't. Um, but I also think you know b- because of the way Alex Smith's career started, and he didn't play well early in his career. He he had some organizational dysfunction, a lot of different um, you know offensive coordinators, scheme changes, and then sort of it was like excuse making, right? I felt I felt like there was a lot of excuse making around Alex Smith when he did start playing well. Oh well, Harbaugh, it was Harbaugh system. And then he went to Kansas City. Oh, it's it's Andy Reid's system. That's why he played so well. Um, I always thought that that was BS. Uh, but what, what's your take on 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 Smith and really even just what he did in Washington and sort of the twilight of his career and then coming back from the injury? He had a great career. Like, look, did he have the career that a number one overall pick wants? No, he didn't. But he had seven coordinators his first seven years. He had a shoulder surgery when he was in San Francisco that after the surgery for months, he couldn't figure out why the pain wasn't quite going away. They opened his shoulder back up and realized that they left a wire in his shoulder. Like his shoulder never fully recovered the strength from that. He went on to be very good at the end of his career in San Francisco. And take the politics aside, okay? They should not have gotten rid of him for Colin Kaepernick. I think that has proven out to be pretty obvious. They trade him to the Chiefs. I am of the contention that Alex Smith will go down as, as a somewhat a forgotten Chief because he's just behind Mahomes, and, and Mahomes is going to just be so dominant in, in your memory. He was one of the most important Chiefs in the Andy Reid era because he gave them credibility. Like People forget now how much they sucked when Andy Reid and John Dorsey and Alex Smith got here. They immediately had credibility with Andy Reid and Alex Smith. They won games. And yeah, look, I'm not trying to wax poetic here. They, they moved on from Alex Smith too for a reason. He had a ceiling. And they were right to move on, obviously. But Alex Smith had a good career, a couple of Pro Bowls, had you know, one 4,000-yard campaign in Kansas City. Was he a great player? No. No, by no means. But he was a good player who's a great person who I think was a leader for all of his teammates. Like when I think of Alex Smith, I think of the one thing that that ended up being the personification of his career after what happened in Washington. But to me, always was true of him. He was tough. Alex Smith took some big shots in Kansas City. You go back and look. He took some big shots and he just kept getting up. And I think to me... That was emblematic of who he was. Certainly proved out to be the case with the horrific leg injury that he overcame. And he, he to me, it's good that he's retiring. Get out with your help. He has nothing more to prove. Um, a really a very good career. And I, I am of the opinion, I think he should go in the Chiefs Ring of Honor. I really do. I, I think, I think he is deserving of that. You cannot tell the history of that franchise without talking about Alex Smith. He won their first playoff game in 22 years. They won a division with him. In fact, they won two divisions with him. Alex Smith's legacy in Kansas City is of one that they never had a losing season. They went to the playoffs every year but one. They won two division titles. They won their first playoff game in 22 years. He made a couple of Pro Bowls. That's a pretty good career. No offense. Like Trent Green was probably the better quarterback. Alex Smith, Alex Smith accomplished way more in Kansas City than Trent Green did. Yeah, Trent Green had some. Uh, they went seven and nine, I think, one season with Trent Green. Like a couple of was, years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, Alex. The thing with Alex, 
And I always, I hate the game manager moniker and all that stuff, but he just doesn't lose you games. Even when he came back from this injury, when he came back from the injury in Washington, he, they, they, I think he went five and one. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. They had a good team, right? Like there were certain things Alex Smith needed. You go and you throw him on, I don't know, the Jaguars, right? Like they're probably not going to have a winning record. But like, but Alex, if you've got a decent team, that guy, he's not going to lose you the football games. He's, despite what some people might say, he, he, he can win you some games. He, we saw him do it. We saw him come from behind. We saw him do those things. And I think to your point, he's, he was just, he had such toughness. But that team last year, that was a good team. That Washington team had an excellent defense. Not some deficiencies on offense for sure, but that was a good team. And when you swapped out those backup quarterbacks and third string quarterbacks with a guy like Alex Smith, you won football games. In fact, and, I, and I, this is a road that it makes me a little upset to go down. If Alex Smith starts that playoff game, do you think that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move on? I think there's a much higher likelihood that they lose. But I, I would have picked Tampa, to be fair. Yes, I would have picked Tampa. But I think, look, you know what, man? You go look at his career. He played five years in Kansas City. Three of those years, he was a pro ball. Now, I think one of them was he was like an alternate or whatever. Fair enough. But think about really until 2016, they had no weaponry around him. I mean, Bo was at the tail end. Macklin didn't get there until 2016. Kelsey was just really becoming Kelsey in 2016. Then they drafted Tyree Kill that year. Before that, it was a whole lot of Anthony Fasano and Dexter McCluster and, and uh, you know, uh, McGrath. And these guys who it was like, all right, hey, Donnie Avery caught a touchdown pass. I mean, it was a lot of that. And it was, and it was, it was basically Jamal Charles. Okay. 2016 is the first year that they really kind of put a, put a real offense around them. And in 2017, which is his best year. Threw for 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five picks. Like, I mean, he had a very, very, very good year. A great player? No. A good one? Absolutely. And one that I think deserves to be remembered in the uh, Chiefs Ring of Honor? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you look at the Chiefs Ring of Honor, yeah, I think he absolutely deserves to be in there. I, I don't even know, frankly, that it's a question. You go down and look, and it's really, you know, it, I think it's almost a slam dunk. Quite honestly, yeah, I, I agree. He's such an important player in the history of the franchise. Got them back into, a, helped them get back into a winning culture. His mentorship of Patrick Mahomes, all of those things, really matter. As far as Alex Smith's future, a lot of guys go a lot of different ways. Um, Alex Smith is to, to Andy Reid was always praising and was he was always referring to Alex Smith's gigabytes the amount of information he could process. That was one of the things that made him such a good quarterback, just his smarts. In his next act, and maybe that's just being rich and you know enjoying his time with his family, if he wants to work, if he wants to stay around football, is it as a coach? Would, where, would you, where would you rather see Alex Smith? In, in the broadcast booth or on the sideline? I think he'd do really well either, honestly. He's very well-spoken. He's a, he's a good-looking guy. I think, you know, that lets be real. Maybe it shouldn't, but it matters in broadcasting like it, it does. So I think he would be – he's very intelligent. I think he'd be really, really good as a broadcaster. But I think as a coach, he'd be great. Because he's the kind of guy that if he had maybe more physical gifts, I think he would have been phenomenal. Because he's very smart. And, and he's relatable. Players always like playing with him. I think as a coach, he'd be really good. Now, does he want to do that? I don't know. That's really labor-intensive. But – I think he'd be great. And by the way, as a final aside here with the stuff with the, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame, because I, I mean, the, the Chiefs Hall of Fame, he's not getting to Canton, but here's who the Chiefs have inducted since 2010. Marty Schottenheimer, obviously deserving. Kevin Ross, very good player. Will Shields, of course. Gary Barbaro, Priest Holmes, Gary Green, Tony Richardson, Carlos Carson, Tony Gonzalez, Brian Waters. Like you're going to, I mean, you're going to tell me that Alex Smith doesn't belong in the same group as Gary Green, Gary Barbro, and Carlos Carson? And, he, and I love Tony Richardson, but Tony – like, all very good players, obviously. But Alex Smith clearly belongs in that, that level of player, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Get, get him in there. Find the right time to do it. Um, just tremendous, tremendous impact on the franchise. Love him. 
I want to see him on the sideline as well. I, I think he'd be a, a great broadcaster. Uh, it's something somebody can learn. You know, I, I don't know if you remember Trent Green early on when he started. wasn't so great. Now he does a fantastic job. You need reps at this kind of thing. Um, but I think you're right. As a quarterback coach, uh, to, to just start off and be working with quarterbacks and working with young guys and, and teaching them you know, who who else is better to if you got a young quarterback coming in, somebody saying like, hey, I was the number one overall pick and my career did not start off well. And here's what I had to tell you about that. Here's what I learned going through that. And then I made Pro Bowls. And then I was, you know, frankly, he, he could have played in a Super Bowl with the 49ers if they hadn't stuck with Kaepernick. And they might have won it if they had Alex Smith in that game. It's a, a lot of what ifs, but um you know, he was one of those quarterbacks that if he was on the right team and things went right, you know, a Joe Flacco kind of like, you know, things could go well and, and he could have won a Super Bowl. Uh, and, and and I think that's somebody I would want on my team. Hell, I'd hire him right now for the Chiefs just to come back and keep working with Mahomes and, uh, and, and continue that relationship that they started when he was in town. I, you know, I think he's probably going to take that's a season nice. off, it sounds like, but get him in there. Let's get him back in the in the fold. Okay. I agree. <clears throat> We have a new sponsor for the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, and I'm going to tell you about them right now. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo food lines, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy a rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing that you're doing something good for your body. Uh, I, I definitely feel that one because I am not... Uh, I'm not eating the good kind of chocolate all the time, but I'm eating chocolate. <laughs> they start with a 100% organic cacao beans and that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then they blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free. I know a lot of you guys are paleo. Gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they have been the leader in the superfoods market, and they're proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. So, of course, you're getting a discount because you listen to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. You want to check this out. They're offering up to 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15. That's MINUTE15. Arrowhead Attic is part of the Minute Media family. So that's MINUTE15. You get 15% off. Just go to earthechofoods.com slash minute media. Again, earthechofoods.com slash minute media for 15% off with the code MINUTE15. And you can follow them on Twitter at Earth Echo Foods. We're about to get some of this. In fact, some has already come to your house, Verderam. Uh, we're about to get some of this product. I'm pretty fired up to try it. I actually make a shake every morning and I use like powdered peanut butter for mine. I throw some oats in there, banana and stuff like that. It's filling. So I'm pretty fired up to try this because it actually sounds delicious. Uh, and if it's going to help out with my, with my midday craving where I go down there and I eat half a bag of potato chips, all the better. I mean, listen, Obviously, rough week here at the Verderam household, and um, health has not been at the top of the list. So at some point here, we're going to have to get back to that because I think my body is at this point processing chocolate like it's it's uh, like it's a blood flow now. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into. It. They sent me a you know a whole bunch of stuff yesterday, so I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in and uh, getting back on the on the health wagon. So basically, your veins right now are like the it's the Willy Wonka chocolate. River. I'm disgusting. Yeah, I'm disgusting and I don't feel bad about it. I'm kind of giving myself a little bit of leeway here. But yeah, like I was watching the Knicks last night and realized I was basically eating a gallon of ice cream that I just thrown like peanut butter on top of. It is um, it's great. But at the same point, not good. Not good. You know what, though? That's a step up from when from when you used to watch the Knicks and drink bleach. Yeah. Yeah, then my old viewings could have been sponsored by Tide. Right. Um, That is the, at least we're moving now to, to like briars. That just kills yeah. me slower. Yeah, Knicks looking like they're going to make the playoffs. Who would have thought? Eight, eight in a row. Eight in a, it's been unbelievable. I'm a Knicks fan of basketball, and I'm an Oakland A's fan of baseball. The A's won 11 in a row, and the Knicks have won eight in a row. I'll tell you what, an A's fan, a Knicks fan, and a Chiefs fan, ain't nobody ever calling you a front runner. Nope. 
Yeah, somebody it's tries to tell you. Flash, like, oh, you're a Chiefs fan? They're like, oh, Mahomes. I'm like, no, man. Steve Bono? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gerback? Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, uh, for sure. That's true. I, I have an eclectic group that I've rooted for since I was a little kid. So, so as we sit here right now, we are uh, one week. It's one week out from the draft. Yep. And it's taking place in uh, near my hometown in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so the, here's what the Chiefs got. Um, they got a first-round pick, obviously, 31. Second-round pick at 63. Third-round pick at 94. Their fourth-round pick is 136. Then they get a compensatory pick for Kendall Fuller. That's a fourth round pick at 144. So that's 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 pretty good. That's a you know fourth round picks can be hit or miss, but there's a lot of position groups you can find some quality there. Of course, it's the back end of the fourth round, but still it gives the Chiefs a little bit of ammo if they want to package some things up. And then they have two fifth round picks. Uh, 175 is their standard pick, and then 181 uh, for uh, Emmanuel Agba as a compensatory pick. Oh, and actually they have a six round pick as well, pick 207 acquired in the trade for uh, DeAndre Washington. They have eight picks in total. Yeah. So that that's pretty good. Do you, with that sort of background ammo, you know, do you think the Chiefs, if they wanted to do something in the third round or the second, could you see them packaging some of those up? Like if there's a guy, you know, like let's say they wanted to trade up in, in the second round or something, if there's a guy that they really like, could you see them packaging together some of those fourth round picks to try to make something like that happen? Yeah, sure. Brett Veach is pretty aggressive. Always has been. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I, I think for the Chiefs, too, you have to think, like, are eight guys going to make this team? Are eight right. rookies really going to make this team? Yeah. Probably not, right? So I think if you're the Chiefs, like, you're fine drafting five or six guys. There's no point. Like, if, yeah, if you're a team like the Lions, you can trade back. You draft 15. guys you can. They're probably all going to make the roster. If you're Kansas City, that, that guy in the sixth round, like, he might make it. He might be Rashad Fenton, but, like, Rainbow might not even make it out of camp. So I think if you're Kansas City, like if you're Brett Veach and there's a guy at 22 that you're just like, man, I don't think he's going to get to 31, but we love him. Go up and get him. Go up and do it. The Chiefs are typically pretty aggressive under Veach, and I, I would not be surprised at all if they're aggressive again. Yeah, it's always good to have the ammo. You can't do anything if you don't have the picks. And it's the Chiefs are getting to this point now, to your point about are these guys all going to make the roster – they're starting to get extra picks because they're so good. They can't keep everybody, right? You can't keep you can't keep some of these players that that would be starters on other teams and maybe even starters for the Chiefs in the mix just because you're you're, you're paying guys like Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill. And so now you lose a guy like a uh, Kendall Fuller or Emmanuel Agba uh, who had a great season and you're getting these compensatory picks and, and that gives you a little bit of that mid round ammo to, to do something or to continue to fill out some of those depth positions. So I, I really like how the chiefs are positioned in this draft. They got all their top, you know, three picks in the top 100 players. That's great. And some mid round juice to spread around if they want to make some trades. So everyone's doing mock drafts. We got a little mock madness for you. We, we were going to take a look at two mock drafts that we um, we thought were interesting and talk about the players and just kind of see what we're thinking here. So the first one comes from, it was written over at Pro Football Network. It was written by our friend Mike Tanier, who also writes for Fanside.com, writes a hilarious column. And his mock that came out this week, I think this is his last mock. He's got the Chiefs at number 31 going with Alabama offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood. And here's what he had to say. My in-depth expert film study of the Super Bowl revealed a Chiefs weakness that few others may have noticed. Their injury-riddled offensive line played somewhat poorly, and it may have hampered Patrick Mahomes and their ability uh, and their offense to an almost uh, imperceptible degree. Yeah, that's you ain't kidding. Uh, the Chiefs added Joe Tooney, Austin Blythe, and Kyle Long in free agency, but there's no obvious starter at left tackle in that bunch. Alex Leatherwood is a plug-and-play NFL-ready tackle with sound mechanics as a pass protector and a power and power as a run blocker. Exactly what Mahomes' doctor ordered. Now, I think there's there's some, I've read some other scouting reports about Leatherwood that are some people think he might end up being a better guard than a tackle. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you think of this pick, Vergram? 
Now, look, I, I will get this out of the way right now. If I sat here and said, yeah, you know, I've, I've grinded tape on Alex Leatherwood, <laughs> that would be nothing but a bullshit lie. Okay? Yeah. I I am aware of who he is. I know what his credentials are. That's how I am with most of these top 100 draft guys. But if I sat here and said I grinded tape, that'd be an outright lie. Um, I always like the guys who come from the bigger programs because I just think that it's – it's a less of a transition, but you know, you could point out guys who've been great out of Alabama. You could point out guys who've been terrible. I think for me, and, and Mike Tanier, by the way, he writes a column inside the draft for Fansided that you really it's not just a shell thing. Like honestly, you should check it. It's hysterical. I edit it. I, I laugh out loud every week. He wrote a thing two weeks ago about how much he hates mock drafts. So I'm sure he loved writing this one. Um look, I think Leatherwood makes sense. Like he gives you the versatility that the Chiefs like, right? He can play tackle, he can play guard. Um I think if you're the Chiefs, though, you gotta you gotta really believe though that he he is a, a left tackle. That like, you can't think like, well, like, maybe he's a guard. Um, and there's so many left tackles in this draft. You know, uh, Samuel Costi out of Texas, guy we've talked about before, really good player. Maybe more of a second round guy, but I know the name Liam Eikenberg. Tevin Jenkins is going to be a first round pick out of Oklahoma State. Christian Darrishaw, I can't imagine he'd get to the Chiefs, but out of Virginia Tech, really good player. The list goes on, right? Walker Little out of Stanford, who's got some concerns in terms of his durability, but the guy can play. Uh, Jeff Schwartz actually turned me on to him. He's a Pac 12 guy all day out of Oregon, of course. And so he's, he's noticed Walker Little quite a bit. So I think if you're the Chiefs, like you're going to have your pick of guys. It's just a question of, okay, who do you think best fits the scheme? And if you're looking at the Chiefs and the way they play, you want to tackle who's athletic, who can get out in space. You know, they're not big on getting maulers. They're big on getting guys who are smart, who are agile, who are quick. Guys like Joe Tooney, like that's Joe Tooney's not a mauler. He's a technician and he's smart and he can get out in space. Mitch Morris before he left, a lot like that. So I think if you're the Chiefs, you're looking for a left tackle who, yeah, sure, he can pass block, and that's going to be more important than his run blocking. But you also want a guy who can get out second level, get to a linebacker, because they run more screens than anybody. So that's what you're looking for a lot as well. But Leather was interesting. Guy has a lot of talent. Yeah, he is a really interesting. He's So a lot of people probably won't like this. And I want to tell you guys, it's the same thing for me as far as these prospects go. We're just regular guys here. We're not, we're not, we're not tape guys. Um, Verterham is when they get to the league, uh, but not as much on the college side. Right. In college, no chance. I don't have yeah. time. My wife would divorce me. I have no time. <laughs> right. But I really want to highly re- recommend to all you, all you regular Joes out there who listen to this podcast, head over to NFL.com slash prospects. They consistently have, it's all free, um, very deep scouting reports on these top prospects and, and, and really deep into the draft. Uh, the, the information, they grade everybody. Um, they have a scale, right, where they tell you, like, what they think. Like, is this guy going to be the perfect prospect? Is he a Pro Bowl talent? Is he a good backup? Like, they have a, a great sliding scale. And if you're interested in, well, I don't know anything about the tackles in these in this draft. I don't have time to watch tape or I don't even know how to get access to tape. Go to NFL.com slash prospects. They've got a bio on everybody. They've got a scouting report. They've got their strengths and weaknesses on the top guys. They've even got tape right there, all on one page, you know, and you can check this out and you can determine if you want to be a little bit more informed on draft day instead of being sitting there and being like, when they announce a name and you're like, ah, hell, who's that? I don't know. Have you got some guys you like or you want to have some guys that you like? Go check out the tackles. Go over there and view all the prospects. You can see their board. It's 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 you don't have to pay for it. I love it. I use it all the time in draft night, especially if I don't know the guy later rounds. I can get a, a snapshot of who he is. And um, with with Leatherwood, uh, his NFL comparison is Cam Irving, which I thought was interesting. So I know a lot of the hair might be standing up on on some of y'all's necks on that one. But um, you know, in the scouting report here, and this was this was from uh, from Lance Zeraline. Their NFL analysts over there, they have him projected as a second-round pick. Now, of course, the Chiefs are picking at the end of the first round. Uh, but solid athleticism, positional versatility, um, but can suffer from a failure to consistently execute at a high level. Uh, some of his strengths, 
looks the party's well-proportioned frame and long arms. He can bend and leverage at the point of attack. Athletic in his movements, can operate effectively in outside zone and for screen blocks. That's something that's great for the Chiefs. Kick slides are good, bringing, uh, bringing him to proper depth. Um, some of his weaknesses, mechanical and lacking explosion into initial contact, needs to guard against long initial lateral steps in the run game. Punch needs to punish and not push the enemy. So there's some great things there. Um, one source told the scout, I thought he was pretty much the same player as he was last year. He's long and has some athleticism, but he just doesn't get me excited, even though we need a tackle. Now, this wasn't this was from an area scout for the NFC team. So, you know, he's he sounds like one of those guys that like he's not a he's not a can't miss. Right. But he could be. Well, at 31, really good. you're not going to find a can't miss. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So. You know, maybe he ends up sliding into guard. Um, he, he's got good size, 6'5", 312 pounds. We'll see. I, yeah, I, I'm going to trust the scouts on the Chiefs on this one and, and Brett Veach, you know, with, with a pick like this. They know what the Chiefs need in a tackle. They know how important the position is. If, it, if they think it's Leatherwood, I mean, look, the guy's a two-time national champion, and I watched some of the tape here on NFL. He's he looks good to me, knocking these guys from LSU all over the field. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe he's the guy. He could be. Look, I'll be honest. I don't have a preference, but I do think they need a left tackle in the first yeah. round. I know, yeah. Yeah, and I've seen so many mock drafts taking a defensive tackle, taking a receiver, taking a corner. Look, man, they need a tackle. Like, they can win the Super Bowl with the receivers they have. Like everybody goes crazy about McCall Hart. Who cares? You know what? Like, honest to God, you know, like who cares if McCall if McCall Hardman's your third weapon, you're fine. They have two first ballot Hall of Fame talents catching from a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. They're fine. Like, I I'm not saying they couldn't use another receiver, but like, could they win the Super Bowl with this group? Yeah, absolutely. Sammy Watkins gave them nothing last year, and they rolled to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think they'll be okay. Their corners, Breland's still out there. They could bring him back if they want to, but even if they don't, look, they have Sneed, they have Ward, they have Fenton, Baker's coming back. They're okay. They're fine. They're loaded at safety. Like, they added Jerron Reed up front. I don't think they – if they drafted a defensive tackle, I'd lose my mind. I I mean, they they didn't a defensive tackle. They got Naughty as a third defensive tackle. Like they, to me, the Chiefs, if they went rogue and didn't take an offensive tackle, to me, it should be an edge rusher. That's what it should be. They need an edge rusher way more than they need a, a corner who's a third corner on the team or a receiver who's going to play 40% of the snaps. Like, but if they get a left tackle, they're going to be fine. And by the way, I think even if they draft a left tackle, I still believe, and I've been saying this for months, I think there's a very real chance Eric Fisher is their starting left tackle by, like, Halloween. I, I think that's very in play. I think there's a world where, by Thanksgiving, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are their starting tackles. I, I think that's – now, Schwartz may retire. That's that's an open question. You talk to people around him, around the team, it's, it's kind of felt like, it, you know, it's a 50-50, maybe a little leaning toward retirement. But it's 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 possible he's back, and my understanding. I mean, and I I can say this because I wrote it. Um, you know, when I did the Joe Tooney piece um, and how that contract came to be, I wrote. You know, his his agent Mike McCartney wrote that Mitchell Schwartz was instrumental in getting Tooney to go to you know getting him to see the positives of Kansas City, I should say. And you know, Schwartz is somebody he he's made his home in Kansas City. He loves Kansas City. If he decides to play, it is. A, not a stretch at all to think the Chiefs would have the first right of refusal there. Like, if he comes back and the Chiefs want him, I would be floored if he's not in Kansas City. So, I mean, it's just, look, you know what? It's something to keep in mind. I still think they should draft a tackle anyway because both guys are coming off major injuries and it would probably only be back on a one-year deal and everything else. But if you're the Chiefs, like, I don't think that's, that's you know, inconceivable. And lastly... Everybody who would say, well, Niang, now he'd be sitting again. This is his rookie year. This is his rookie year. His contract didn't count last year. And the Chiefs are going to sit him last year. So if you're the Chiefs, what the hell do you care? Right? Like, I, I, I think if you're Kansas City, look, those two guys are still very much options to be their bullpen tackles. Like, I could definitely see a world where next year their offensive line in November is Fisher, Tooney, Blythe, 
Kyle Long or Duvernay Tardif, and then Schwartz. With with Yang and and maybe a first round left tackle just sitting as a there backup, learning. and then a long yeah. and 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 Duvernay Tardif and Remmers, one starting and two being the backups. Yeah, all of a sudden. You know, I know everyone's Not sitting bad. around going, well, we don't have tackles. And all of a sudden you're looking at the line and you're like, damn, that is a deep, that is a deep line, interior, exterior, as long as the like, young guys can play. You're in, you're in good shape. So uh, yep. let's, let's hope it turns out something like that. And if it does, um, Chiefs are already favorites to win the Super Bowl. So those odds might go up. Well, speaking of not taking a <laughs> speaking of not taking a tackle with the first pick, our second mock draft here. Actually, hold on, I'm going to throw one more break in here. We got to get that in. Uh, on the other side, we're going to do one more mock draft. This one's a three rounder from CBS Sports, and I got a cereal review for y'all. I bought there's a Ghostbuster cereal, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. And, and I'll have my official uh, CT CT Crunch rating. We'll be right back. All right, Mock Madness continues. So this one from uh, Chris Trispassen of CBS Sports. Three-round mock. Round one has the Chiefs going with Christian Barrymore, defensive lineman, I believe, tackle uh, out of Alabama. He's a sophomore, 6'5", 310. And um, Barrymore and Chris Jones, he says, would give the Chiefs two big pass rushing specialists at defensive tackle. Before we get into the other picks, what do you make of this one? Okay, so I feel okay in saying this because I know Chris. Chris and I follow each other for years on Twitter. He's a good guy. We've had good conversations. I'm going to DM Chris, and I, I, I'm going to lay into him something fierce over this. Chris, they already have Jerron Reed. They don't right. need another pass rushing defensive tackle. Now, look, I, I listen. I'm, I'm being somewhat tongue in cheek. Chris does an excellent job. He really does, um, and he knows his football. I've talked to him. He, he's, a, he's a guy who I have a lot of respect for. Um, but I, I disagree with this pick. I disagree with the selection. I get it. Maybe say Reed's here for a year, and Barmore can come in. And it's not that I don't like the player, but I don't like. It's a bad class at D tackle. Okay, and, and by the way, I'm looking at it right now. He ranks Bar- Barmore as his as his number one D D lineman, or right. D, you know, D tackle. I don't. I, that, that's fine. Well, I don't want him. Not no way, not there. Okay, and the Chiefs, by the way, if you look in this this mock, the next pick Alex Leatherwood, then the next pick after that Sam Cosme, the, the tackle out of Texas. Like if the Chiefs pass on those tackles for a defensive tackle, I'm going to lose my mind. You you can't, you can't. Um, well, but Liam this guy. He, he's so I mean I guess I can see why he went with this if if, he, if in his mock he's got this player falling to the Chiefs um, just some just to provide some more context for the listeners 37 tackles nine and a half for a loss with a team high eight sacks three pass breakups and three forced fumbles and 12 starts for the national champs he missed a season opener due to injury he was named the college football playoff championship game defensive MVP beating my Ohio State Buckeyes it was not pretty after making five tackles, two for a loss, and one sack. If you know anything about Ohio State, just great players all over the place. It was a very good team. Alabama just made them, made them look like they were a D2 in that game, in that national championship game. Do you, do you If you get a, a guy with that kind of production that, that could potentially be a beast at the next level, I guess, first of all, though, why would he be going so late in the draft if he's such a good pass well, rusher? Uh, again, South? look, I, it's not that I don't think he's a good player. And I love the program, obviously. And and you brought up, and I think it's right, NFL.com. Wanzerloin does a great job, and he compares him to Marcel Darius. Okay, it's not that I don't like the player, but if you're the Chiefs and you're passing on all those tackles that are going right in that area, I mean, you, to me, it's got to be for an immediate, immediate need. And I get the the guy who says, "Hey, come on, man, best player available." That's a myth in the NFL. That is a myth. GM say it because it sounds cute, and then they can get up there and go, you know, this guy is the top guy on our board. That is nonsense. When you're the Chiefs, you take the best player available at a position of need. They're trying to win a Super Bowl now, not 10 years from now, now. So Barmore might end up going on to be Aaron Donald. I'm not, it's not a matter of whether I think he can play. It's more about that I look at him and just say, do they need him? If he comes in, he's Chris Jones, and yeah, take him. But I, you know, I, 
I just think they need a lot more than a than a you know player who frankly would be rotational for them. I mean, next year, how much is he playing? Right. Not much. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so for the second round, this one I thought was really interesting. Pick sixty uh, third overall. He's got the Chiefs going uh, with Pat Fryermuth, tight end out of Penn State. I will tight call the leash if they do this. Yeah, you, you this you don't just waste of time. Travis Kelsey's still at the top of his game. What are we doing? You're taking a second round pick to be a backup for years, right. for years. Like, yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? You again. I'm gonna have to DM Chris here. We're gonna have to have this conversation. <laughs> I, I mean, you're telling me the Chiefs again now? Like, now let's say they went with Barmore, okay? Because we're going off this mock. You're in a position here where you could draft Jason Owe, who I'm not in love with out of Penn State. He's an edge rusher. He didn't have a sack last year, but a lot of people love him. Like, okay, he's he's still on the board. Jackson Carmen, who I can tell you right now, I've had one scout tell me he's his favorite player in the draft for sleepers. He's a tackle out of Clemson. Got him going 78. And then right before the Chiefs, a couple of picks beforehand, you got guys like Terrace Marshall, who we talked about, like 58. Landon Dickinson, center out of Alabama, 56. Liam Eichenberg, tackle out of Notre Dame, 55. Like if the board looks like that, I think that's where the Chiefs should move up. Get up eight, nine spots and get one of those guys. Nothing against Fryer, but when is he playing? Like and I and, and before anybody comes out with the nonsense of well they'll have two tight end sets. Okay, so who's sitting? Because right. you've got Hill, Kelsey, Edwards, Alaire, Hardman. I mean, you want to make an argument? You're taking a receiver off like Robinson. Maybe, but I mean, geez, Brian Murphy would have to be a hell of a player for you to do that. And by the way, this class outside of Pitts at tight end, uh, I had one general manager flat out un- unprovoked, by the way, say to me. Love the corners, love the receivers, love love the quarterbacks, love the offensive linemen. And then, you know, apropos of nothing, says to me, other than Kyle Pitts, this, this class stinks at tight end. I think there's a fairly shared opinion around the league, just kind of talking to people. So if the Chiefs took him, I would be disappointed, being honest. His comparison is Tyler Eifert, hopefully not because of injuries. Um <laughs> You know, he's, he's around Kelsey's size, 6'5", uh, 251, a l- little lighter. Um, yeah, just I, I agree. Like, that's a guy, if, if he's available late, you know, like in the fourth or fifth round or something, and you and you really like him, sure, okay? Like, you're, you, you do need to think a little bit about the future, but I think you're right. Like, Travis Kelsey's still at the top of his game. He's been really durable throughout his career, and – you got other needs. You need depth in other places and tight end. I will end. call the police if they do this. <laughs> I yeah, I I agree. I, this feels like one of those. I don't know. Maybe they, when they were doing the mock, I thought, oh yeah, Kelsey's getting old. They probably want to get their their tight end of the future. Not this year. There's there's guys out there uh, for later. Don't love it either. Okay, let's go to the third. Let's go to the third pick, and uh, this one. So if you look at the way that this draft has fallen, you got a, def- a defensive tackle that might not play a lot in round one. You've got a tight end that might not play a lot and round that won't play a lot in round two. So now you got to take a tackle. So now you're getting at 94, 94th overall in the third round, Brendan James, an offensive tackle out of Nebraska. And so when I pull up when I pull up this guy's scouting report on Climus. Is it Hymus? Brendan Hymus. Oh, Hymus. Yep, I know. I, I looked it up. I looked it up. What? It's Hymus. spelled. It's spelled J A I M E S. Yep. But you're right. Hymus. Brendan Hymus. Oh, that'll be that'll be fun one if we if we if somebody Goodell's drafts him. going to put you that something fierce, but it is. Fa- yeah, fans aren't going to know what's going on. Um, they've got him ranked. They, the prospect grade on NFL.com five point nine eight, which according to their scale. Let's see. That puts him in into being uh, a backup. Yeah, they got him as fifth round pick, and that has him as a a backup special teamer. Uh, That's not really what you're looking for in the third round, is it? No. Again, again, 
Chris and I are going to have to have a conversation. Um, I don't know what happened here. I know yeah. he's, I know the man is a Bills fan, so maybe there's some, some deep-seated hatred. That's bitter. Yeah, wants to step a bad draft. I mean, he's – listen, Heim is, is 298 pounds and has short arms. Yeah. They're not, they're not taking Brendan Heim in the third round. I, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. That, there's no way that's happening. And, again, if you look at this pick, the guy he's got next is the edge rusher of Miami uh, from Florida – Gregory Rousseau. And if you're wondering who Gregory Rousseau is, a lot of people think he's going to be a first-round pick. If Gregory Rousseau is on the board and the Chiefs have a shot at him in the third round, they better take him. They better be taking him. I mean, yeah. that that's a kid who all the talent in the world. Um, and he, he's somebody, by the way, if you're wondering, he's a redshirt sophomore. Um, and I think this is actually worth getting to know because he, he might be a guy who the Chiefs could pick early. 6'7", 266 pounds, long arms, okay? Uh, again, giving him a lot of plugs, but he does a great job. Lance Zerline has him as a second-round pick. But he he's a kid who, I, you know, and we know with Veach, he loves those developmental pass rushers. And it hasn't worked out. Tano Passione and, and, and Breland Speaks, but they like those guys. And he was also part of the front office. They took a shot on Chris Jones. When a lot of people thought Chris Jones was a guy who was going to wash out in the league. Well, it's, it's worked out. So, you know, if, if Rousseau's sitting there at 31, I think the Chiefs would consider it. He's there in the second round. I think they would take him in the third round. My God, I, I think the Chiefs would sprint from Kansas City to turn the clock in. So, or turn the pick in. So, um, yeah, I would be um, – if this draft happens, this podcast is going to be really special. <laughs> yeah we might have to go live on uh on thursday night we haven't figured out our recording schedule for for next week but i think we'll probably want to do this on friday so we can uh so Verderham can get some sleep um so okay not our favorite mock draft um i'm sure matt and sterling will have some things for you guys over the weekend as well as we approach the draft i've got a serial review before we get out of here but i wanted to matt uh, ask you if you could tell the listeners what they can expect from us over at fansided.com on, on draft weekend and the kind of coverage they're going to get over there, what to be on the lookout for. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to have wall-to-wall coverage starting on Thursday afternoon, going obviously right through the first round, going all the way through the weekend. So we're going to have, I'll be on the entire time. We're going to have a live draft tracker where we're giving our insight on every pick as it happens, about a paragraph on each guy, nothing, just nothing crazy, snackable. Um, especially if you're reading on mobile. So we're going to have that. We're going to have a lot of insight on, hey, you know, not so much, oh, this team took this guy, but why it's a good pick, why it's a bad pick, why this guy fits, why he doesn't. We're going to have smart coverage. Um, it's not just going to be the typical, oh, here's a grade. No, it's going to be like, well, here, here's why this, this pick was made and here's why it does or doesn't work for us. Um, we will have a ton of coverage next week on Stack in the Box, the the, the uh, national podcast that I do with Mark Carmen. We're gonna have George Kittle on. We're gonna talk to George Kittle um, and and discuss uh, you know his draft experience and and stuff that pertains to the Niners and and what they might do with the third overall pick. But we are gonna have tons of written content about every team, obviously including uh, the Chiefs. I'm sure in a big way. And then at the end of it all, of course, because we're contractually obligated as media members, we'll have the grades at the end. If, you, if you're into that, don't worry. We'll have that. We'll have power rankings, how teams are looking after the draft. And we'll even have a 2022 mock because why the hell not, right? So we're going to have a ton of coverage, but a lot of really smart, interesting analysis. And then it'll all be bookended by my column on Monday in the box, and I'm hoping to have some uh, inside nuggets uh, for a handful of teams, certainly including Kansas City. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to to digest all the coverage. And I know you've also got – we've added the Matt Lombardo show to Stack in the Box. Matt Lombardo yes. is terrific. He's getting interviews. He's going to have a, a Penn State prospect on, I believe. We just got him hooked up with that. Uh, it's not funny yet, so I'm not going to put it in there. But um, that's coming up. So you get two great shows on the Stag in the Box feed with great analysis and insider access between Matt Verderam and Matt Lombardo. Uh, I don't I don't think there's better NFL content anywhere. Um, it, I'm biased, of course, but it's just it's just great stuff all over the board. So make sure you're over at fanside.com. And of course, 
Arrowhead Addict is going to have everything covered from the cheese slant. Matt Connor, Sterling Holmes, all the boys over there and gals are going to be uh, getting you great coverage. And uh, the schedule's coming, but it's coming on what the twelfth, May twelfth. Now, you it's traditionally it's come out before the draft, like like this week uh, or early in draft week. Is this the NFL trying to just kind of s- just string out that year. off season a little bit longer? You know, last year because of COVID, now they're like, yeah. hey, we can be we can own a day or two in in on May. Yeah. I will tell you this. That day is the, is one of the harder days I have all year, but it's also one of the most rewarding. If you don't know, okay, and this is – I'm not well mentally, but I pick every single game, which scores, the whole deal. I pick every single game, and, and I it's a – and in, in, in full uh, admittance, it is a slideshow. I don't write many of them, but I, this one is because I just feel like it would be such a wall of text otherwise. So I pick all the games, every game, every week, at the bottom of each slide, there's a game of the week. I write you know, 200 words or so on each game. I go right into the playoffs, and I break down everything. Each each playoff game, pick the playoff games all the way through Super Bowl 56. And if you're saying to yourself, that's a huge waste of time, Vertoram, well, ask yourself this. How many other people in the country have had at least one of the teams in Super Bowl each of the last three years? Three years ago, I had the the Patriots and the Rams in the Super Bowl. They both got there. Unfortunately, I picked the Rams to win. Patriots won, but I had both teams in there. The next year is the first time I ever picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, and they did it. Okay, Last year, I had the Chiefs and the Saints. Ended up being the Chiefs and the Bucks. So if you want to know who's going to be in the Super Bowl, <laughs> read it. Yeah. Because at least one of them showing up to town. Yeah, absolutely. And uh... – so do you have you ever gone back and, and tallied up how you did? Like did you do that? I, for I've this never year? gone like game for game how I've done, but I've looked. I, I think last year, I think I had six or seven AFC teams. I'm almost under, I'm almost good. positive with that. I think I would I would love to go have somebody go back there, count it all up and see just let's, how let's, good let, you let, are. Let a staffer do that. Yeah. <laughs> but where are the I, interns? I, they've been I, I gotta be honest. I, I my game like I don't know, like my overall record, but in terms of like picking the playoff teams and picking like who advances and gets us, actually surprisingly pretty good. So if you know, who knows? Maybe now, now that I've tooted my own horn, it'll be a disaster this year. But over the last three years, it has been fairly accurate. It's been pretty good. So um, listen, go in there and check it out. It'll be up the night the schedule comes out. It will all be up there. We have an entire team at Fanside who works on it. We have the graphics department. We have editors who will sit there because obviously we don't know the order. So I pick every game in a, in, a, in a sheet, and then we have to plug them all in manually right as the schedule comes out. So it is chaos, but it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, again, now it used to be all 256 games. Now it's all 200 and what? And then it's an extra 16 games, so it's 272 games. So 272 games, I pick them all, plus the playoffs, all the way to the Super Bowl. It's a lot of fun. It's crazy. Kind of insane, neurotic, but I love it. Love it. I love schedule release day, and then after that, we could start, you know, start getting ready for getting ready for the season. Just got to get through the summer. Um, yep. All right. So listen, I'm walking through the aisles of the store the other week, and I see a a, a, a breakout display. With Ghostbusters cereal. Now, there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out, Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's a marketing thing already. It's coming from General Mills. And if you know anything about me, I, I'm, I'm a big horror movie fan. I love ghosts. I love spooky stuff. Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. One and two. Love them. And, um, and I'm a big cereal fan, as, as I know you are as well, Verderan. So... I, it, there wasn't even a hesitation. Like I didn't even stop my wa- my walk and pushing the cart down the aisle. I just snatched a box, put it right in there, and took a picture and put it on Twitter. Um, I see it's got marshmallow ghosts, so I'm thinking to myself, "All right, this is uh, this is absolutely fantastic." Um, and then and then the the cereal is kind of like a corn thing. It's 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 uh, I guess it, it, it's kind of like a pinkish red color. So I bring it home immediately pourable, no messing around, I'm having it for lunch. (sighs) It's not bad. It's better than the oatmeal cream pie cereal that I reviewed previously. But I'll tell you what's 
what's interesting about this. If you closed your eyes, it would taste like it tastes like a bowl of crunch berries with marshmallows in it, which is good. But here's what I found. Here's my review. The cereal tastes good, but the, the little pink balls are too small. They feel like just thrown in. And the marshmallows are clearly supposed to be like in the shape of, of ghosts. And maybe the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, there's like blue and white marshmallows. There's not enough marshmallows in it. Like, like is a comparison to like Lucky Charms, right? The marshmallows are smaller. There's not enough of them in there. The, the, the cereal tastes good. Like I said, it tastes like crunch berries. What could be wrong with that? Um, so it was just, it's just overall disappointing in that it feels like it was rushed. The, 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 the marshmallows are like, they just kind of look like deformed stars. They're supposed to be ghosts, but they don't really look like them. They're too small. It just feels like a cash grab. Uh, it's not bad. It, it, you know, if you like to collect these kinds of things, I would buy one. I would buy a box maybe just to, to collect if you want to like you know, display it or something because it's a cool looking box with the Ghostbusters logo. But um, unfortunate, uh, don't recommend. I'm going to give it um, two CT crunches on our scale of, of one to five CT crunch scale, the GOAT. Um, going to just have to go with two. But I think it's a huge missed opportunity. Because it's a great brand, it's a great movie, great intellectual property you're working with here. Just just go the extra mile, but it just feels like, hey, we need a cereal. What what do we have that we can alter and make a little bit different, and yeah. and then put out a product well, and sell it? Listen, a, a fine review. I will tell you, I'm excited to review Cosmic Brownies, which is coming out in May. Yes, it is. Um, I'm looking forward to that, and also. You know, in this time of need, I went back and I have not eaten a cereal in about 15 years. I had a box of peanut butter crunch the other day. Ugh. Just just phenomenal. It's so just good. So underrated. So yep. good. But I have one quibble with all the, the grocery stores around me. Where the hell is Count Chocula? Give yeah. me Count Chocula. Enough of this seasonal shit. Give me Count Chocula. Yep. We've talked about I don't want to hear about, oh, you know, it's for Halloween. No, it's not. I'll eat it in March. Yeah. Give me Count Chocula. It drives me crazy. I, yeah, I've had it. Um, um, in fact, right now, literally while we're having this conversation, I'm going on uh, Amazon and seeing if I can buy it on Amazon. I yep. have to imagine you can. You can. I feel like you can buy anything on Amazon. Um, I tweeted at them over the winter and said, "Why? <laughs> why, it, why? Why can't I get this year round?" And they said they'd pass along my, you know, my suggestion. What that Count Chocula be? It's it's no brainer to me. I don't understand it. It's like it's like having a license to print money and then just being like, "No, nah, I'm all right." Right. Yeah. What's wrong with you? It's like like Frankenberry. Like, all right, fine. Make Frankenberry. No, Frankenberry. Frankenberry is garbage. Give me Count Chocula. <laughs> like this. This. It, I really. It's like a personal affront. It yeah. really is. Like, who the hell hurt you, General Mills? Give me my damn Count Chocula. Yeah, Count Chocula year round. I mean, then you can get weird. You can start mixing together Lucky Charms and. And cow chocula, you can just you know, but if you don't have the you don't have the the, the count, I don't want to have to wait until the fall for for some cow chocula. They do have count chocula cereal bars that you can find, which are yeah, pretty good, but it's not the same. All right, with that, we are gonna uh, get out of here. We will see you next week for some draft fallout. Uh, but until then, if you like this show, if you want to support us, and you guys always do, check out Earth Echo. And go and get yourself with that code MINUTE15, 15, 15% off Earth Echo. We'll probably have a review of that next week, too, if we, once we dive into the product. Yeah. And, um, hey, listen, we're on we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're in all the places you get your podcasts. Uh, we need your reviews. We need those written reviews, and we need your questions. I, I, you know, I didn't even check. It's been, we've been, we were gone, so I don't think we had any a, a new questions from you all. But um, we'd love some questions for next week's episode to answer. For you guys and and we'd love to see some more reviews over on apple podcasts reviews mean the world to us we appreciate your support so head on over there leave us a review make sure you support arrowhead addict every day for your chiefs news yep. and follow us on twitter i'm an at our patrick allen he is at matt Bertram. make sure you follow the stacking the box podcast you guys are you're so incredible we see you all over there leaving reviews on stacking the box it's awesome of you doing that and supporting matt over on the national nfl podcast as well so we appreciate it um but with that uh Next time we talk to you, I think the Chiefs will have drafted. So we will see you on the other side. Uh, and until then, thank you so much for listening. For Matt Verderham, I'm Patrick Allen. Go Chiefs.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.